Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Presented by Progressive Insurance guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Just joining us, where you been? We've been busy. You missed a lot today so far. We've been very, very busy here. We had the Hall of Famer Kurt Warner breaking down quarterbacks. I told you what's really going on with Justin Fields. And then maybe most important of all, we presented for you, not humbly but brilliantly, the Greeny Rule 2.0 to save baseball. And that is very simply to connect your starting pitcher and your designated hitter. We humbly submit this rules change for next year to the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and to his chosen, what should we call him, scientist, genius? Baseball fixer-upper? Baseball genius, uh, Theo Epstein. Starting in next season, there should be a universal designated hitter in both leagues, hence in every Major League Baseball game. And when a starting pitcher is removed from the game, your team should lose your designated hitter. That means you incentivize every team to leave that starter out there another inning or two, which would make baseball much, much better. That is Greeny Rule 2.0, and it is flat-out genius. Meanwhile, the scoop. Here we go. I told you that America's most popular team, certainly their highest-profile team, is about to do something awful silly. And Chris Mortensen was the one talking about it. I I couldn't even believe it when he said it. (laughs) But Chris Mortensen, they're on the special. So I'm watching everything that has to do with the draft. The draft is three weeks from tonight. I'm the host. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm up to my ears in this stuff. I couldn't be more into anything than I am into this right now. And I'm excited for it, and I'm, I'm starting to get a little nervous and anxious. It's just a great little time. And I'm, so I'm consuming everything I can find on the draft. And I come across Chris Mortensen talking about the Cowboys and saying this. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys and the GM, being infatuated with Kyle Pitts. So I have figured out that he's going to have to trade up to get Kyle Pitts. And I think he'll offer uh, Emmett Smith and Larry Allen, maybe throwing Michael Irvin. Uh, he doesn't need Tony Romo, but he has Dak Prescott. And he spent $40 million a year on Dak Prescott. So why not go get Michael, uh, Kyle Pitts? Or if he actually falls to 10, you couldn't rule him out. Okay, so let's start with this. There is no chance that Kyle Pitts will fall to 10. If you don't know who Kyle Pitts is, Kyle Pitts is special. This is the beginning of a new era of pro football. The position of tight end teams have figured out it was Bill Belichick, who usually is ahead of the curve on everything, who figured out the middle of the field is the place that is the most open and has never been more easy to take advantage of based upon all the rules. You can't hit anybody in the head. You can't hit anybody hardly at all. So he put Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez on the field, and he became an unstoppable offense doing it, and now we're seeing more and more of it. And and if you've never seen Kyle Pitts play, he's from Florida. the, The physical, the measurables are ridiculous. If you've never seen him play, I would tell you, just close your eyes and envision Travis Kelsey. That's what he is. He's Travis Kelsey. He is that as a weapon. To even call him a tight end is not right because he does anything you want him to do. You can line him up anywhere you want on the field. So Kyle Pitts is awesome. There's no chance he's available at 10, which is when the Cowboys pick. No chance. In fact, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would predict that whenever, at whatever number the first non-quarterback is taken, it will be him. Mm -hmm. He will be the first non-quarterback taken in this draft. It will be Kyle Pitts. So Jerry wants to trade up to take him. Well, this needs to be said. Jerry Jones is a brilliant businessman. He's a brilliant salesman. He has a genius for marketing. And candidly, he has as much charm as any person I've ever been around. But that guy doesn't have the first clue how to build a football team. He just doesn't. And this is absolute proof. 
Remember, they haven't won anything since Jimmy Johnson put that team together and they unsummarily just ran them out of town. This team needs to be rebuilt on defense and the offensive line. They need Zeke's contract off their books, a contract they never should have given him in the first place. The last thing they need is another offensive weapon. They already have plenty of those. This is why they will finish third in the NFC East this year. That's right, I said it. Third. They're going to finish third in the Mm. NFC East this year, and that's only because the Eagles are at the beginning of a rebuilding. But the Eagles' future, I think, actually starting to look a little bright. I kind of like the move they made trading back. We'll see. I don't want to get sidetracked. But the point of it is this. The Cowboys need two things. They need to build that offensive line back to what it was. Now, if they really do get their starting left tackle, Tyron Smith, back and he's fully healthy, then great. That's a great first step. But I don't think that's anywhere near guaranteed. And even if it is, there are still other holes that need to be filled. When they got good, they got good because they built that offensive line. They need to rebuild that. I don't think Penny Sewell is going to be available to them, the tackle from Oregon at number 10, but I think Rashawn Slater will. Rashawn Slater is a tackle to whom I am particularly fond because he went to Northwestern, but that's not the part of the story that matters. He is extremely versatile. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. He might eventually end up a guard, but whatever he is, everyone says he's awesome, just awesome. So that's the kind of player you draft. Or you draft Patrick Sertan II, who's a corner, or you take, um, I think that would probably be the most logical defensive player to take, someone like Quiddy Pay or pass rushers. Probably too early to take him at number 10. Either way, you draft a defensive player or an offensive lineman. You don't draft another weapon. It's like putting together a fantasy team. They shouldn't have taken C.D. Lamb last year, and they shouldn't take Kyle Pitts this year. And this is why they are what they are. So the Eagles, they're rebuilding. I think they're rebuilding the right way. We'll see. They're a year at least away. The Giants confuse me. I actually think they have some good players, and and, and I like their coach. I don't know what their plan is. I I don't know that they really have one. They seem to put things together kind of willy-nilly after the fact, so I'm not... Completely sold on them. The Washington football team, to me, is clearly the team to beat in that division. They're going to win 10-11 games. They're going to win 10 or 11 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Extraordinarily underappreciated weapons. I mean, genuinely top-level weapons that no one talks about. And should we say a top three defense in the NFL? Maybe top one? (laughs) It could be the best defense in the NFL. Could be. Wouldn't surprise me if they wound up being the best defense in the NFL this year, the way they rushed the passer. So I think they're going to wind up winning 10 or 11 games and running away with that division. Now, we, amongst the members of the hashtag crew, as I call the members of the staff, we have an interesting little dynamic. So everyone jump on a microphone if you can. I've got Hembo here. He is a crazy fan of the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. You ha- we have hashtag Bubba, whom you all know, who is a crazy fan of the Cowboys. Super Bowl. <laughs> we have hashtag Nuno and hashtag Devin. Both of whom are fans of the New York Giants. Nuno? What's up? <laughs> What's up with you, Nuno? Not much, really. <laughs> <laughs> His answer to every question is always not much. So here's what I think. And, I, I, and I'll take Washington. It's obviously not my team, but I think they're clearly the team. We should create some sort of competition like in the wager? NFC East this year. A wager of sorts. Mm-hmm. Not money, but some, something kind of fun based around that division. I would ask you, Mr. Super Bowl... Mr. Bubba, how confident are you in that? Do you feel confident enough in your Cowboys winning the division this year that you are willing to put a little something on it? Well, lest anyone forget, the last time I made an on-air bet about the Cowboys, 
Mike Golick flew me and my dad first class to Texas. So That's correct. I am ready to go at all times, especially once we get Kyle Pitts. That was, Let's go. Oh. That was the stuff of legend. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, that was back in the Mike and Mike days, and, and Golick did. You made a bet with Mike. and he No one thought and- the Cowboys were going to do anything that year. They lost their first game. Next thing you know. We're going to Dallas. Was that the was that ultimately the Tony Rum the um the Des Bryant game? Was that that year? Yeah, yeah. I, there was the uh, Cowboys Lions was the game I went to, and then the next week was they went to Green Bay, and they got screwed. But okay, so so I think we need to figure it out. We'll put together a little something because we've got a nice distribution. I'm riding Washington, and I'm getting pushback on my TV show, which makes me enraged because I'm so obviously right. So I've got them. Hembo's got his Eagles. Bubba's got his his Cowboys. Nuno and Devin have their Giants. So we'll see. We'll put together some sort of a little competition, and we'll try and make it interesting. We'll figure out what that's going to be. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. The green list is Masters-related. We'll get to that and more as we roll on in just a moment. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Greeny, the podcast. Granny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Dwight Freeney coming up on the Goodyear Hotline once again today. We uh, present for your approval. Actually, we don't need your approval. It's a great idea. The Greeny Rule 2.0 to help save Major League Baseball, which is combining the starting pitcher and the universal DH. We propose that starting next year in Major League Baseball, starting in the 2022 season, that we should have a universal DH. Every Major League game should be played with a designated hitter. And that that designated hitter should be taken out of the game once the starting pitcher has been removed from a game for that team, which will have the impact of the starters pitching at least another inning or two on a given day, which will absolutely make baseball a whole lot better. Once again, you're welcome. Get Theo Epstein on the phone. That's the idea. Next piece of business. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Greenies draft prep. 
All right, so I've told you that I'm, I'm getting ready to do the draft here, and we were talking about the tight end, the value of the position, how it has increased in the sport, and in particular with this guy Kyle Pitts from Florida who is going to be a top five pick unless quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, five. Well, for every action, there is an equal opposite reaction. You know whose law that is? Is that Alexander Hamilton? It's, well, that's from Hamilton. It is actually Newton's law. Cam Newton. Cam Newton wrote that law. <laughs> anyway, so because these tight ends are so good, do you know what's becoming more and more valuable? Safeties. And I'm here to tell you that maybe the best defensive player in this draft is a safety named Trayvon Merrig. Remember that name. Some team is going to steal this guy mid to late first round because the quote-unquote value of the position. Kid is outstanding. He won the Jim Thorpe Award as the best defensive back in the country. He's from TCU. He can cover and he can flat-out thump people. And as Hembo points out, safeties aren't just safeties anymore. Jamal Adams lined up at 10 different position groups in 2020, only lined up at safety on 35% of the snaps. So that position is extremely valuable. I'm here to tell you, Trevon Merrick, I think, might be the best defensive player in this draft. If he isn't, he's not far behind. He's right there with the other guys you're going to hear about, like Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn and Micah Parsons and Jeremiah Owasu-Koromoa and wherever else you want to put in that discussion. I'm here to tell you Merrick is just as good. So when you hear his name called relatively early on that Thursday night, remember where you heard it and remember why it's happening. Because tight ends have become that valuable in the sport. For every action, there is an equal opposite reaction. All right, to the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. Well, as you are probably aware, the 40 minutes that remain in this show are the only thing standing between me and watching the Masters for the rest of the day. It is my favorite sporting event of the year. ESPN will have exclusive coverage of rounds one and two today and tomorrow. That officially goes on the air at 3 Eastern on ESPN. ESPN Plus has a ton of really cool and fascinating coverage as well. Um, And so the Masters, as you know, is my favorite sporting event of the year. And so for today's green list, I thought it appropriate that I would put together my list of my top five moments watching the Masters. So this doesn't go back to Sarah's and making the double eagle or anything like that because I don't go back to that because that happened in the 1930s. So I go back roughly to the mid-1980s as a golf fan, and so these are my five, my top five Masters moments in the time that I've been watching. Number five. Five, I'm going to put the shot that Bubba Watson hit in that playoff in 2012 to beat Louis Oosthuizen. If you've ever been to Augusta and gone to actually see the spot where he hit it from, you would never believe it. It's on the 10th hole. And he had that legendary line he said afterwards. He said, if I have a swing, I have a shot. I'm here to tell you, he may have had a swing. He didn't have a shot. The fact that he hit that ball from where he was to where it wound up, where he had an easy birdie putt to beat Oosthuizen in the playoff and win the Masters, it is one of the most ridiculous golf shots. I'm telling you right now, if you just find your average scratch golfer, I'm talking about a scratch golfer, and drop 10 balls in the spot that Bubba Watson was standing, that scratch golfer would not put one of them on the green. Not one. Now, part of the reason he did is because he's left-handed. That made a huge difference based upon the angle at which the shot had to be hit. But if you go stand and look where it is, it is a miracle that he hit that shot, and it won him a green jacket. So that, for me, is number five. Number four. Four was Phil Mickelson finally breaking through in 2004. He rolls in that putt on 18, shoots 31 on the back, needs a birdie on 18 to win it. 
As the ball is rolling, Jim Nance says, is it his time? Yes. And then and Phil Mickelson jumps about, I don't know, maybe 8, 12 inches off the ground in, 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 in one of the most hilarious celebration moments you will ever see. And Phil, he has trademarked that pose, that, that jump. Um, and he wears it all the time. If you're ever around him, he's got it on his belt. He's got it all over the place. But all kidding aside, Phil getting off the schneid as, as the best player never to have won a major, like that's so long ago now, you might not remember, but that was in every way, that was the narrative around Phil Mickelson was will he ever win a major? And it took a long time. But he finally broke through in 2004, winning the Masters. And that, for me, is moment number four. Number three. Three, believe it or not, is Greg Norman in 86. Now, I know it's the opposite end of this. But sports are about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And you've never seen agony like this in your entire life. If you watched it, you'll never forget it. This is 1996. He had a a six-shot lead going into the final day. Shot 78 on Sunday. And Nick Faldo pulled away and just destroyed him. And Faldo basically had to carry him off the course at the end. And Norman has talked about it, and he's a great gentleman about it. And look, it happens. What are you going to do? But he picked the worst possible day to have the the worst moment of his life. Clearly as bad a round as he's ever shot, considering the circumstances. But Norman blowing that six-shot lead in the final round in 96 is something that if you were watching it, we talk about the thrill of victory. That was the personification of the agony of defeat. Number two. And then two and one are easy and obvious. You just you'd put them in either order and you'd be fine. I decided to put Nicholas in 86 at number two. Uh, Nicholas at the age of 46 winning. It was a, a moment someone described it to me as one of the back before there was Twitter. One of those moments where you literally would call everyone you knew and say, are you watching this? If you are not, put it on. Jack Nicholas is going to win the freaking Masters. And, and he did it. And that's the legendary yes, sir, call from Vern Lundquist and everything else. That could just as easily have been number one, number one. as this, which is Tiger and what he did two years ago. Tiger winning it in 2019 uh, in the fashion that he did. <laughs> What can you say? I mean, tears in your eyes watching what happened there. And, and so Tiger in 19 and Jack in 86, to me, that's one, two, two, one. In either order, you wanted to do it. I wouldn't quibble with you. If you said, Greedy, you should have put Jack ahead of it. I wouldn't have fought you on it. You could put it in either direction you want. But Tiger, maybe recency bias. Tiger two years ago, not only the greatest ma- uh, master's moment of my recollection, but I right up there with the most... The events in sports in my lifetime that I've been most invested in as a viewer, I would put him right up there at the top. Okay, that's my green list of the five, my five greatest moments from the Masters. By the way, quickly, my pick is, is just a combination of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Spieth with my heart, Thomas with my head, but I wouldn't put it past Spieth to win this weekend either. Dwight Freeney and Who You Got are coming up next here on ESPN Radio after this word from ZipRecruiter. You know... The football season, the football offseason is always wild with all the trades and the free agent signings and the new coaching hires. Teams have to be excited for the coming year. And if you want to hire people that you're excited about, team up with ZipRecruiter. Their matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny to try it for free. Freeney with Greeny next on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. Crazy busy time in this world of sports. My name is Greeny. I'm coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. We have suggested a new baseball rule today. That went well. We'll get to who you got in a few minutes with Bubba. That'll be questionable. But right now, we're bringing in one of the great pass rushers of his or any time. Let's talk some football with Super Bowl champion, seven-time pro bowler, and friend of the show, Dwight Freeney, who's with me on the Goodyear Hotline. How you been, Dwight? Good, Greedy. How are you, man? Well, I'm good. But if there's one thing I know about guys like you, it is that you hate quarterbacks. There's just a, a natural sort of ingrained hatred of quarterbacks amongst all of you who's, who make your living uh, trying to hit them as hard as you can. And so you must hate this draft because all anyone is talking about and all anyone is trying to do is trade up to take all these quarterbacks and they're going to go one, two, three, and four. How does that make you feel? You know what? It doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> but you know Honestly... I'm happy for the young guys. You know, I've always said, Greeny, it's it's that transition from college to pro. You know, you can still throw the ball. It's only one year. What makes the difference between a guy who got drafted very high and his success, you know, in the NFL early, it's the team that you surround that quarterback with. You know, so if you have a team that can surround that quarterback with tremendous talent, an offensive line, a good scheme and system – then that quarterback who shows all those numbers can flourish, you know, in that system and, mm-hmm. and right off, right off the bat. But if he goes to a team that in most times that is what it is, because that's why they're picking, you know, first pick, second pick is they have a lot of holes. You don't rarely, you rarely ever see that star just start to come out in his first or second year. It takes them three to four years until they build that team around them. That's a great point, And that's why maybe, if someone asks who's going to be the best young quarterback in the draft, you say whichever one San Francisco takes, right? Because they traded yeah, up there, and that's a good team. You know, exactly, and that's what I've always said. You know, you have a quarterback who's a gem. You put them around weapons. Then you're going to really see, you know, that quarterback play to his fullest potential. But if you put a quarterback in a normal system or a regular system with not a lot of guys around him to help, I don't care how good your quarterback is. You're not going to play. You're not going to play good because the game is beyond the quarterback position. You know they're, they're obviously an important part 
of your organization, but you can't put it all on the quarterback. Sometimes a quarterback gets too much credit when you win and too much blame when you lose. Somewhere in the middle. Who's the what? what which quarterback did you hit the hardest? What was the, the biggest hit you ever had on, a, had on a quarterback? Who was it? Oh man, that's 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 tough. I, you know what? I there was one hit, man. Um, Byron Leftwich. <laughs> And I think I would have been suspended from the NFL <laughs> after this one. It was kind of one of those fourth quarter, you know, you had to get them down type of situations. They were, you know, they had the ball. And I complete, I came from the backside. I think it was either Raheem Brock or Mathis came from the front side. And we literally sawed him in half. I don't even understand why, how he's still walking today and still functioning because it was such it was such a brutal hit and and when you do that what happens next like like i was just sitting here during the break hembo and i were looking at some videos nfl films on instagram they just posted all these great videos of these plays and i was watching this one play where chad johnson tried to block ray lewis and ray lewis just almost sent him into the third row like after you hit a quarterback like that what happens next well it's it's for me it's it's just that adrenaline rush you know it's it's something as a pass rusher, and I think any defensive line guy who will tell you, is, is, is one of the hardest positions in the game because you fail 99% of the time, okay? There's like 40 passes, you get blocked or the ball's thrown quick or you get doubled the entire game. And if you get an opportunity to get him down, it has made your day. Now, when you get there and you completely annihilate them, <laughs> that's, just, that's just you taking out all your own frustrations, all, all the things that's been bothering you all week, all the coaches that give you a hard time, all the times you hadn't got there and you finally can get there. That's why I feel bad for the players now because you really just can't hit them like you used to. Greeny and the great Dwight Freeney. What, what one man's feel bad for is another man feels relief for. I guess you could look at it either direction you yeah. want. How about the toughest guy? Like like Mike used to tell me all the time, Aikman – was so tough that he, he would he would hit him and and he would think all right there's no way in the world he's getting up and Aikman would just get up and go back to that huddle and and just and be ready for another play who was the toughest guy guy that you hit and you no matter what just kept coming back for more there's two guys and one's going to sound real strange it was Drew Bledsoe huh. Something about Drew, it was like hitting a, a tree stump. It, you know, I, I would hit him, and it was just like I almost got hit. You know, I just kind of like I would, I would take a knee and try to fight and call for help for guys to come help bring this guy down. He wasn't mobile, but he was just a bigger guy, and uh, he could take a hit. He was one. Another guy is Steve McNair. Mm. Steve McNair was a guy where he could – throw you off, shrug you off, run in the pocket, great pocket presence. And when you hit him, he was like you're hitting a, a ton of bricks, you know. So you would have to bring all of everything that you have and some to get him down. Greeny and Dwight Freeney with you here. Let's, I want to ask you your opinion on something. I mean, it's one thing for for the game to be as offensive skewed as it is. It's another to just completely discount the defense at all. There's these stories out there that the Cowboys are interested in trading up to take – Kyle Pitts, the very talented tight end out of um, out of uh, Florida, and maybe have to trade up to the fourth pick to do it or something like that. And this is a Cowboy team that already has something of an embarrassment of riches on offense and had a defense last year that was so bad it was almost impossible to watch. What would you think of the Cowboys if they made an aggressive move trading up in round one to take another offensive playmaker with all the needs they have on defense? 
Yeah, that, that honestly, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, if my memory serves me correct, they were in the bottom of the league, you know, defensively, 30th, 28th, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they need help defensively. And if they, don't, if they don't build that defense, I don't care what they have on offense. They're going to have to get guys to rush the passer. You've got to have guys to cover guys. All right, and you have to have linebackers that run. And they have some linebackers who can run, but they don't have a lot of great cover guys, and they think they need another rush guy. All right, so I personally, if I was in that draft room, I would be banging on the table, please no, that's not <laughs> draft an offensive guy tied in, which I'm sure he is a talented guy, but what they need is balance, and they need defense. Defense is what's going to bring – those victories, you know, and definitely in the playoffs. That's what happens is teams get in love and just with offense and points. But when it's the playoffs, it, it's more more about the defense. And this is where they're trying to get to. They're trying to get back to that dynasty of winning championships. And that takes defense. They're going to need those. Oh, I mean, you make a good point because for all the talk about Brady and everything else, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year with their defense, right? No, absolutely. It's, 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 I get it. You know, the, the league and the world is infatuated. And I'm not just saying this because I hate those quarterbacks, but <laughs> it's the quarterback, just like, it, it's all about them. And I, I get it. Yes. Having a great quarterback definitely helps Brady amazing player, but Brady didn't have the best playoff run we've seen. You know, the, the AFC championship, uh, NFC championship, I think he threw three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Very un-Brady-like, but that defense balled out. That defense balled out again in the Super Bowl. It doesn't mean Brady didn't do his thing, because he did, okay? But it wasn't like Brady won the game for us. It was the defense, and it's like that so many times, but people don't see that. You know, even when you, you sit there and you sit there and say, okay, well, they got Patrick Mahomes. So because they have Patrick Mahomes, they have a chance to win. Yeah, kind of, but with no offensive line, like they can't run a play. And that's what happened. They couldn't run a play because no matter how good Patrick is, it doesn't matter. You have to have pieces around that quarterback. And defensively, you have to have that piece solidified so you can win some games deep in the playoffs. Great to catch up with you, Dwight. Thanks a million. If I don't talk to you, enjoy the draft, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch base down the road soon. Thanks for doing this. Hey, man, no problem. I'm going to get back to the Masters. I'm all right. here rooting <laughs> all my boys. You got it. Thank you. I'm 17 minutes away from watching that myself. Dwight Freeney, who is a t- terrific analyst. We've had him on Get Up a couple of times and really has great insight into this stuff, and it is an absolute truism. If you, There are very few hard, fast truths in life, but one of them is guys who play defense in the NFL hate quarterbacks. They just hate them because especially now more than ever before, because they are so catered to um, that, that, you know, they're protected. Like I watched that video. If you have a minute uh, at some point today, go on Instagram and NFL films, they, they, they post great stuff. And there's a play I just watched where, you know, just a, a random play down by the goal line, Chad Johnson tries to block Ray Lewis and Ray Lewis knocks him just into oblivion and they're helping him to the sideline <laughs> and Chad Johnson's mic'd up. So he's explaining to the trainers what happened and you just have to see it. I can't do justice how hilarious it is, but like literally every single play 
in every National Football League game is so violent that I myself would not survive it. <laughs> I mean, every play, there's not a, I could not have played more. I could not have played a second play in the NFL had I ever been there. Unlikely that it seems that I ever would have gotten there in the first place. All right, next order of business. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? All right, against my better judgment, every now and again, I bring in our disheveled board operator, hashtag Bubba, to present with for me a series of binary propositions, and I have to tell him who I've got. Hello again, Bubba. What's up, pal? Are you are you rethinking your a uh, Cowboys Super Bowl pick? Rethinking it? What are you <laughs> out of your mind? <laughs> he is a, a confident fan. I like that in him. Okay, uh, what is our first question for who you got today? All right. Well, who you got is brought to you by Granger. First of all, second of all, the Panthers they now have Sam Darnold, but they also still have Teddy Bridgewater, and all signs point to a trade. So, who you got as the team for Teddy Bridgewater? Well, so so the only way to – I do not believe he'll get traded till after the draft because I think there are teams that are waiting to see if they get the quarterback they want in the draft, and if they don't, I think Bridgewater will be a very appealing option. People are going to draw a line between Bridgewater and Denver because of a coaching connection with George Payton. I would not put it past Denver – to trade up to take one of the five big quarterbacks in this draft, however. Denver sitting at nine. They could move up just one spot. If, if, if a guy like Justin Fields really does fall all the way to eight, I could see Denver moving up a spot. I could see to try and keep like New England from jumping in front of them or anybody else. So I'll say it that way. If I can put a caveat on it, if Denver doesn't get a quarterback in the first round of the draft, I believe Denver is where Teddy Bridgewater will wind up. Bubba, what's next? All right, which quarterback traded this offseason will have the best year on their new team? Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, or Matt Stafford? Who you got? Hmm. Well, that's an easy one. Um, I'll be rooting for Darnold. I hope I'm wrong and that the answer turns out to be Darnold, but the answer is going to be Matt Stafford. I believe the Rams have the best chance of any NFC team of knocking out Tampa before they make another Super Bowl run. I think the Rams are loaded and awesome. I think Stafford is, is not a good quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback who's been saddled with a terrible franchise and terrible teams over the years and will finally get the chance to prove it. The only concern you have with the Rams is they have so much money tied up in so few people that if any of them get significantly hurt, they're just dead. I mean, if Aaron Donald or Stafford or Jalen Ramsey or any one of like the six people to whom they're paying 90% of their cap go down, they're finished. But if, if, they, if those guys get through it unscathed, I think the Rams will win that very competitive division. I think Stafford will have an excellent year. And I think they have a real chance to go to the Super Bowl. So my answer is Matt Stafford. Bubba, with who you got, what's next? All right, we talked about it earlier this week. As Adam Schefter said, the Falcons are, quote, open to moving out of the number four pick. So who you got as the likeliest team to take them up on that offer? Isn't that a great question? That's a fascinating one. And it's fascinating. One I, I haven't really given a lot of thought to. So I can't see the Cowboys going up there to take Kyle Pitts. I just can't. I, I just can't. I mean, someone has to talk Jerry Jones out of that. It's one thing to trade up to take a quarterback. To trade up in that stage to take, again, as brilliant a player as I think Kyle Pitts is. So who else might trade up there? I could see Denver. We just talked about them. Who else, Hembo? I mean, I, I don't see New England doing it. They're more inclined to trade back usually than up. How about Chicago? Could Chicago get this? See, enough? how do you get up there, though? How does Chicago get to four? Like, Chicago's 20. 
So how are the Bears getting all the way to four? What do they have to give? Two more firsts and a player maybe? maybe that's a lot. Player? I mean, that's a, for Atlanta to give up. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I could see it. Yeah, if the Bears would give that much up for that fourth pick, but now they're getting – I don't see it happening. I don't. I don't think it's going to be Chicago. I, I, I could be wrong. I'm going to say Denver. I, I think is the likeliest team to move up to four to take a quarterback, uh, Bubba, in the interest of answering your question directly. I will say the Denver Broncos. Bubba, with who you got on ESPN Radio, what's next? All right, and speaking of number four, the Cowboys would probably need to get there if they do want Kyle Pitts, as rumors are indicating. So what do you think the Cowboys should do? Go with another offensive player, even if it's at number 10, or stick with defense? Oh, you my got? goodness, Bubba. You need to get on the phone with Jerry. You know, Bubba, many people may not know, is not only a Cowboys fan, but he actually worked in the organization for many years and, and was at the right hand of Jerry Jones. In fact, at one time was considered to be the likeliest successor to Jerry Jones as the managing partner of that team and, and chose to walk away from that uh, because he wanted to pursue his passion of, of working in radio. But um, so, Bubba, you need to call Jerry and you need to tell him a, a bunch of names. Kyle Pitts. He, he right. was some names. No, not Kyle Pitts. You can't get what? Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts! If Kyle Pitts Kyle falls Pitts. to 10, then you take him. <laughs> Bubba, there's no way Kyle Pitts is going to be there at 10. He's not. He's the best player in the whole draft. Including everyone. All right, move up to four. Let's do it, baby. (laughs) No, you don't. I'm going to give you some names. You ready for some names? Tell me what you need. What do you need on your defense? You need an everything. You need a (laughs) class. That's true. (laughs) So you need a classic linebacker. You got Micah Parsons from Penn State. You need a rush end. You got Quiddy Pay from Michigan. You need a corner. You got Patrick Sertan from Alabama. That you got an endless array of options available to you there. And, and if you do decide to go offense, you need an offensive lineman. So you could take Rashawn Slater there. I think you could actually even almost justify taking Elijah Vera Tucker there. I think he's that good. 10 is probably too high to take him. But but there are that there are there are really good offensive linemen and several excellent defensive players, and that is who the Cowboys need to take. Bubba, what's next? All right, Aaron Rodgers right now, he's filling in on Jeopardy. Some people already want to get the job full-time, but are we forgetting someone? Who you got as the better Jeopardy host, Aaron Rodgers or Greeny? Well, listen, I mean, this is one that I think doesn't even require an answer. If you need a quarterback, you call Aaron Rodgers. If you need a host, you call me. It's just that simple. Have we forgotten the legendary game show duel? You probably have. As it was said at the at the well, the infamous Mike and Mike roast, uh, the show was called Duel because the only two people in America who watched it shot each other. But the truth of the matter is, I was excellent on that show, and I would be excellent on Jeopardy. <laughs> and I would love to do it. So if the folks at Jeopardy are listening, I'm all in. I think the people who are clamoring to have Aaron Rodgers become the permanent host of that show are all in Chicago. <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're all dying to see. They're all fans of the Bears. They all want to see Aaron Rodgers go host that show and stop beating their brains in twice a year. So uh, the, the obvious answer to this question is Greeny. All right, we got time for one more. Make it good. We got one more. And 54 years ago yesterday, Roger Ebert published his first movie review at the age of 24. So who you got is your favorite all-time movie? My favorite all-time movie or favorite all-time movie critic? Favorite all-time? <laughs> no, I don't care about your favorite critic. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I misread the question when you sent it to me. I thought you were asking me because you brought up Ebert. I yeah, that was the end for the question. I thought I was going to throw a Vincent Canby in there for you, a Janet Maslin. Rotten Tomato. A, a little uh, Gene Siskel. 
Um, favorite all-time movie critic. Favorite all-time <laughs> what kind of question would that be? Well, I don't know, but you, you know, you're sort of an unusual man. I thought that's what you were going to ask me. My favorite movie is Casablanca. That's the greatest movie ever made. The greatest American motion picture ever made. Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Casablanca, won the Academy Award in 1943. We'll always have Paris. Uh, play it again, Sam, which, by the way, is never said. The words play it again, Sam, are never spoken in that movie. Uh, that is the greatest movie ever made in any genre, in any country, and particularly in this one. All right, Bubba, give me the sponsor. All right, who you got? Brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is always there to help. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop. I'm right, by the way. That is the best movie. Yes, but have you seen Casablanca, Baba? I have not. You've never seen that movie? No, I haven't had the time. Do you know? <laughs> you've been busy. Do you know who Humphrey Bogart is? I sure do. <laughs> Fair enough. He's a good uh, movie critic. We're going <laughs> to <laughs> see you tomorrow, Greeny, on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.